Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host today, Juliet Lamar. And I have with me Alexander Lopatine. He is the managing director at Lopatine. He is the managing director at Paladin FS LLC. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Juliet. Uh, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So why don't you kick us off with an overview of Paladin FS and what you do in this world? All right. Okay. So Paladin is a is quite a well-known consulting company in uh, in a certain uh, uh, small vertical, community banking and uh, and and, uh, and smaller trade unions. Uh, it's a seven trillion dollar vertical in terms of assets, and uh, we're talking about uh, eleven thousand financial institutions in the U.S. So, uh, so Paladin is consulting for the last ten years, consulting those banks and credit unions on. Uh, on a very important matter, that is uh, uh, the contracts with the core vendors. And uh, a core vendor in our world is uh, uh, one of the companies that, that is providing to the bank the, uh, uh, the core processing platform plus all the, uh, all the channels and the services, what we call bolt-ons. Uh, for consumers, this would be uh, various... Uh, uh, online banking apps, uh, mobile banking apps, payments, 
card issuing, item processing, uh, checks, right? That's you know, we, item processing we call it. It's um, it's checks processing in fact, and um, etc. So all the all the uh, all the things that a bank today uh, cannot exist without. So uh, uh, there's a number of big players in the space, and uh, they have created a um, what we call an oligopoly, and uh, they're making those small banks sign long-term contracts. Uh, usually now today it's seven year. Uh, it's a, a term of seven years, and uh, uh, at the same, at this, you have like three very big company companies in the U.S. and uh, and uh, a bunch of smaller ones, but they mimic what the what the big ones are doing. So uh, so Paladin is helping uh, those smaller financial institutions to negotiate those contracts. Uh, and 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 the big guys they have created a a certain practice of kind of handcuffing uh, the smaller financial institutions. Uh, not only it's uh, uh, not only those are long-term contracts, but in addition to that, you have uh, they lock them into uh, 80% early termination fees, uh, quite a high cost of the API. If anybody would want to integrate to the core, replace one of the products that they offer with a third-party product that is usually better. At the same time, they offer quite an ancient technology to those banks and uh, and uh, and pr- charge pretty high fees. So initially, uh, when Aaron Silva created the company, my partner and founder and CEO of Paladin, uh, his goal was to help banks negotiate with those core uh, vendors, core software providers. But over time, and I- interrupt me if you have any questions on the way or or I could continue. No, please continue. So, so, um, so over time, as you know, uh, a whole fintech ecosystem appeared. There are companies, there are disrupting, disruptive companies in fintech that are creating uh, technology products that are placing some of the uh, features or uh, that uh, or or some of the services that usually banks were providing. A typical example is PayPal or Venmo. And, and you have collaborative fintechs, uh, companies that have created a software product or a service that could be uh, offered by the banks uh, to uh, their um, clients. And uh, the way the um, the way the systems uh, are uh, the the actual systems are architected, the systems that uh, those large banking software providers are offering to the banks doesn't allow them to um, uh, to access all the new products because the API is not open. Most of the cores in this world are still mainframe based, believe it or not. That they were created in the 70s and the 80s, uh, and um, and those banking software companies are not actually real software companies because the two biggest the two biggest ones never created any software. They were just buying existing uh, companies and uh, and. Uh, uh, those are basically M&A shops, merger and acquisition companies. And uh, and then uh, number three, uh, last time that they, when they created something, uh, this was in 1986. So since then, they were also just acquiring companies and optimizing the, uh, the balance sheets and uh, improving the bottom line. The shareholders were happy, uh, but their clients, the banks, and the consumers or, or companies who are who, who 
clients of, the, of, of those banks and credit unions are getting ancient software. So this becomes a kind of a, a vicious circle. So uh, the smaller banks don't have the budget or the know-how to negotiate with those vendors. Plus, the vendors are offering them ancient technology that doesn't allow them to, uh, to offer what the modern consumer expects, if that makes sense. And so therefore, a whole industry, community banking, is dying. And uh, banks are being acquired uh, almost every day. There's a big consolidation movement, and we are losing something that, is, uh, that was for centuries very, very important for everybody, especially for the, for the middle class, you know, for the small and mid-sized companies. We're losing this personal touch when you can come to your banker and talk about your problems, and, and the banker can be creative and uh, help you uh, achieve your goals, your financial goals. So uh, as we all know, the, the, uh, the larger financial institutions who have the budget to, uh, to um, invest in modern technology, uh, their practices are more kind of standardized. So uh, uh, because... So what- there. Yeah, where does yeah. Paladin fit into to all of this? So that what kind of services are are different in the way that you are approaching? Yeah, yeah so I was explaining that. So on on one side, the uh, the uh, traditional business of Paladin was help uh, was to help the financial institutions to negotiate the uh, the core contracts with those with those big software banking software providers. What we have created together now, and this is the division that I'm heading called FinTech Advantage, we have created a new practice within Paladin, and uh, uh, we're helping banks and we're consulting banks, uh, smaller banks and smaller credit unions. We're consulting them on the, not only on, the, uh, on how to uh, pay less for the uh, legacy software products, but also how to rethink their architecture that they could access all the new fintech products that are offered today, uh, API-driven, and to be able to uh, add new features to their stack, offer new products to their clients, and make it in a seamless way. So you as a consumer just access the function within the mobile app or within the online banking app without having to do another sign-on or without having to do a link-through to a separate website. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's all in one spot. Yes. Yeah, so if if you, so if before our partnership before our partnership Paladin was consulting banks on how to how to buy cheaper the uh, the legacy stack that the big vendors are offering, now we are consulting banks on how to reassess the architecture, how to think larger than those three four big vendors. And, and how to how to be able to um, create a modern digital banking offering without having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. Exactly. So that's what that's what fintech advantage is about. Wonderful. So you you have a great knowledge of this industry over several years. You know, where do you see it all going in in ten years with the banking and and how it's going now? What what are your projections? Well, in ten years, I think. Uh, a lot of it would be a lot of it would be driven by artificial intelligence and will be blockchain architected. And uh, I think uh, the whole model of banking will change dramatically. But uh, there's always there's always a hype cycle and an adoption cycle. 
And uh, in banking, it's not only about the technology, it's not only about the, the financial service or the product, it's also about regulations uh, and it's also about security. So, but I think uh, AI and blockchain within 10 years will be two most important words in the banking technology vocabulary. Absolutely. So if a bank wants to get started with your company, kind of walk us through that process. Do they, I see here that you can request uh, a core IT cost and contract review. Is that kind of the first step in it? That's basically the only way to, to approach it. You have to look at the technology, but you also you have to look at your contract with, with, the, with the core vendor because, uh, because 99%, we're 99% sure that you, the, you as the bank would have uh, quite high early termination fees. You would have, um, uh, you, obviously you have, a, you, know, you have signed a long-term agreement. So usually the right way is to call us two years before your actual contract expires because we have to help you negotiate uh, the legal and financial terms in your existing contract with your core vendor. That means cost of the API, exclusivity, early termination fees, uh, etc. And at the same time, depending on your goals, you as the financial institution, we could help you create a three to five year strategic plan and um, and start depending on your goal on your on your goals. Sometimes could be more deposits, sometimes more loans, sometimes more non-interest uh, uh, fees, revenue. We 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 could create a whole pipeline and roadmap of uh, integration. But in the first place, we would assess the, um, the, the, the technology stack and, and, and consult you on the way how to, um, to be able to integrate new technology into your stack without a full core conversion. That is quite disruptive. In the first place, because the, um, the legacy vendors, they have made the core the core banking platform, they have made it uh, the central system of record and the, um, the main integration point. And uh, technically, it's just a, a regulated piece of accounting software for banks. It's a banking ledger, right? So you have the general ledger, you have the banking ledger. A core is processing deposits, loans, accounts, transactions. So the large banks have a different kind of technology architecture. Chase has more than 10 cores, and all of them are mainframe-based. So um, we would explain to the bank how to, uh, how to create uh, the right architectural stack and to decrease the dependency on the core. Because ideally, our vision is that the core banking platform has to become something of a QuickBooks for banks. Nothing more, nothing less. But it shouldn't be the heart of the financial institution because that benefits only the... the the big vendors, hmm. not the bank itself, Definitely. and not and not the and, and not its client, and neither and, and neither its clients, right? So the clients are not benefiting from that. So uh, what happens at the end is that they leave the financial institution and um, they go to bank with uh, one of the big guys. So when when you have clients who who are working with you, are you very hands on with them, um, or do you kind of? Just give them a roadmap and then are available for questions, or do you do you really go through everything side by side? We are very hands-on with them, of course. Every institution is particular, and uh, um, we spend a lot of time with them, and we are very hands-on. Wonderful. So, do you have any 
client stories that you'd like to share with us about how you've changed their their business in a positive way? Well, well, we are uh, we 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 have launched the practice just a month ago, so uh, we have already created some interesting stories. But we we have some NDA signed that I mm. I couldn't really disclose <laughs> anything interesting no, yet. A, but <laughs> not a problem. Um, how did you get involved with Paladin? What's your background? Well, my my background is retail banking. Funnily enough, I'm I'm an I'm an Israeli. Uh, Swiss Russian Israeli who's based in Miami. I grew up in New York and in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, speaking a number of languages, obviously. And uh, five years ago, I came back to the U.S. and I founded a company called uh, Started to Settle in Miami. And I founded a company called uh, Nimbus, N Y M B U S. I was the founder and CEO. And uh, Nimbus is the first cloud based uh, core processing platform uh, in the U.S. Uh, API driven, and uh, we have raised more than $14 million for the company. It's quite a success. The company went live with the with the first banks recently. And some time ago, I left my full time operating position in Nimbus in order to focus on other opportunities. And the Paladin, the partnership with Aaron, and uh, is one of them. So I met Aaron a few years ago in one of those banking conferences, and we share the same goal. We want to help uh, smaller financial institutions to um, to compete with the large ones and to compete with the disruptive fintech companies. And uh, we, Aaron is helping, was always helping them to uh, negotiate the legal and financial terms with the legacy vendors. And, and I was helping them technologically by creating better software that they could install and uh, finally have a product that not only would save them money, but also would allow them to to evolve with their clients and to compete with uh, the larger players or with the you know purely uh, technological companies in the space. So at one point we decided to partner because obviously to uh, to um, allow those uh, financial institutions to to really upgrade their uh, their digital banking offering. It's a combination of Technology consulting and consulting on legal and financial terms in their in their um, uh, core core vendor contracts. Mm-hmm. And I see here that on average you are saving your clients 1.37 million per deal. Is that yes. an accurate number? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so that tells you something, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that means that basically the fees are really <laughs> uh, really onerous. It's just. Uh, and 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 this part is only when Aaron and our team is negotiating the the uh, the existing contract and uh, or with the incumbent or with the new uh, the new core vendor. So um, if uh, if a financial institution starts to implement newer technologies, the savings could be significantly higher. And both Absolutely. we could open we could op- we could allow access to those those banks for new sources of revenue. But also decrease the running costs and improve customer satisfaction because today they expect something different from their digital banking experience. What are some final thoughts you could leave with uh, potential clients? Some knowledge you'd like to give out to potential clients? Excuse me, uh, I didn't get that. What are what are some some things that you'd like to share with with banks that maybe lessons that you've learned, things that you've that you've realized over the course of of working in this industry? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, they shouldn't rely on one one vendor for uh, for everything, especially if uh, if uh, and 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 well, they know it. If you speak to any of them, they really some 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 of those vendors have been sued for bad software. So they they know that they've been uh, sold, uh, you know, bad uh, and ancient products, but they have no choice. And so what what I did with Nimbus is that we they started to have some a choice, right? They could they could they could really go to and 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 uh, uh, convert to a, a modern uh, core banking platform. But uh, so number one, uh, they should they should look around and be a little bit more creative than just going for a product of one of the top four companies. Uh, number two, technology today becomes a commodity. And there are many cool products out there that are SaaS-based uh, software as a service, and uh, it, it doesn't cost you know tens of millions of dollars to implement that. It's just about so I think yeah, so so I think banks and credit unions, uh, whatever the size, they should think of themselves as technology companies because uh, within the next three to five years, the average consumer would expect a full digital banking offering from any financial institution. That, in, that includes um, loan origination and that includes everything. I mean, people less and less willing to, uh, to go and visit the branch, right? Obviously, most of the time, it's, it's, just, it's just a waste of time, right, to go there. Mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, they would prefer to do everything from their mobile phone or from, um, from their laptop or some other channels like Amazon Alexa or Facebook Messenger, and uh, all those things are available. You don't need to invest a billion into uh, creating some AI-driven chat-based customer support function. Right? As an example. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. So, is your website p a l a d i n dash f s dot com? Is that the best place for? potential clients get a hold of you? Yes. Yes, please. Wonderful. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me here today on Future Tech Podcast and telling us all about this this new and exciting way to do banking. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, big pleasure. And um, I think you were doing something great. And uh, thank you for letting us uh, share what we're doing. Absolutely. This has been Juliet Lamar for Future Tech Podcast with Alex Lapatine for Paladin <laughs> FS. <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll catch you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. 
If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.